Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for August 23rd, 2020, proper 16, the 12th Sunday after Pentecost. Bruce, how you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Very good. I am I am also doing well, and we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And uh, we're we're like I think I think I mentioned this last week. We're like I think last week was one half of the middle of the season after Pentecost, and this is the other half of the <laughs> so we ended the first half. Last week, and we're starting the second half this week. Yeah, um, so you know, time to start making your Christmas lists. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, it it it's just like uh, any other time. It will be here before we know it, uh, because all time and space have stopped half meaning um, <laughs> during quarantine. <clears throat> and uh, but yeah, um, so before we get into the readings today, I. Figure we would go over to our word of the day, and Bruce, I chose a word that I believe uh, wholeheartedly that you probably will know, but I thought it would it might spark a good uh, conversation. Uh, so we'll go with it. Uh, go with it. It's not as, as uh-huh. so much stump the priest at this point, um, as much as make him go on tangents. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So please tangent away. That's the whole point. Um, so today's word is. Consubstantiation. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, it's the wait for si- the internet to load. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's the simultaneous existence of God in the same place, basically. Ooh, close, close. Well, okay, and in the sacrament. Yes. Yeah. There, yeah. There, yes. Yeah. I left out that key noun, didn't I? Yes. Yeah. In the blessed bread and wine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know who um, whose theology it was mainly tied to? I think my dad's. <laughs> Fair, but before him. <laughs> no, I, not off the top of my head. No. Uh, it was associated with the theology of Martin Luther. Um, oh, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, obviously, a a, a uh, um, not really an opposite view of it, more of a, uh, a, a nuance, a, a parallel, a parallel uh, disagreement between uh, consubstantiation and transubstantiation. Um, uh, and I think transubstantiation will uh, be a little bit more familiar with most listeners. Uh, as being that once the bread and wine are consecrated, they no longer exist. Uh, they as take bread on, and wine, right? They take on the form of uh, the body and blood of Christ. Um, so consubstantiation is basically saying uh, no, it's 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 both. It's still both. Um, which, to be honest, is uh, at least for. Um, perhaps modern, you know, more modern churchgoers is a little bit more comfortable of a, yeah. uh, of an idea, I would think. Although, but, but we never, we never talk about consubstantiation or is that just the, has that, has that idea kind of taken on um, the meaning of just for those who don't believe in transubstantiation, they believe in consubstantiation. And it's just assumed like, if you don't believe in this, then you do believe in 
than the other? Well, or? it's more complicated than that. Okay. And a lot of it has to do with history rather than linguistics, frankly. That yeah. Martin Luther, of course, was the founder of the Lutheran tradition within Christianity. Mm -hmm. And Roman Catholics were not happy with him uh, sure. for yep. starting to wander off. As and, the story goes. <laughs> yes. And do things like create these um, new understandings of how God might be, how God is working, is the way Luther put it. Mm -hmm. And so it became very associated, associated with um, Protestant theology. Okay. And so it's, it's sort of like the rival team took it as their mascot. And so you're never going to have a, that mascot in any form in your household. And I'm picturing a stuffed teddy bear. No, that's so-and-so's mascot. We're the horses. So we always go on right. stuffed horses. And it almost is that irrational. But that's, of course, religion all too often in daily practice is that we yep. get more emotional than rational. So in the Episcopal Church, we come off the Church of England. Mm -hmm. And roughly during that same time, as we were forming our theology around the Eucharist, there were people in England, in the church, who were very much transubstantiation. There were those within the Church of England who were very much, this ain't nothing, it's just a symbol, mm -hmm. and everything in between. And Luther would have been on the in-between. So the great... Church of, and not, I don't mean that sarcastically, I mean it seriously, the great compromise in the Church of England was to say we believe in the real, enduring presence of Christ in the sacrament. Mm -hmm. And we didn't go into details beyond that. So that gave room for people across the spectrum to say, okay, I can agree with that, and interpret it in his or her own way. Yeah. Um, and therefore keep the, the broad tent of the Church of England intact, rather than having people spin off and saying, no, you're not transubstantiation enough. No, you're not consubstantiation enough. No, you're not, it's just a memorial right. uh, enough. That pretty much everyone could agree on that. And the only one that hung some people up was the enduring part of Christ in the sacrament. And so hmm. there were some that said, nope, that's a bridge too far for us, see you later, hmm. and left the church. So in the Episcopal Church, we talk about the real presence of Christ in shorthand and the real, the full phrases, the enduring, there are various ways of saying it, persistent, enduring, real presence of Christ mm -hmm. in yeah, the it, bread and wine. It, it's, uh, it, it's, I know there's there's plenty of people out there who who uh, um, would find such an answer to be um, uh, um, disappointing uh, <laughs> in that you know because you know I no I want it explained but we really should kind of take on the <laughs> the the mental uh, uh, mantra uh, uh, here of the Episcopal Church a little bit more often because essentially what you're saying is the Episcopal Church went you know what it's God. I didn't, we're not even going to try to pretend to fully understand how it works. Uh, and right. it might be a little bit over our heads. Uh, so we just know, we just know that we feel the presence of Christ 
uh, uh, when we take the sacrament and, and, uh, that's, that's good enough for us. <laughs> yeah. In many ways. Yeah. That in many ways, that's the Anglican approach. The, and where people have really gotten into fights with each other is that enduring part. And in the, um, okay, here we go down the tangent. In the, <laughs> yes. <laughs> in the late 1800s, there was a high church movement, both within England and then it came to the United States, that started to focus on that enduring part. And so started to have... Um, in many places for the first time. Other times it was a restoration. Sometimes it was, yeah, we've always done that. Mm -hmm. Within parish churches, what we, what we call the reserve sacrament of mm. bread and wine in a, in a special place, usually with a candle nearby. And, we, and that's bread and wine that's already been blessed. And the practical part of it is so that uh, priests, deacons, and lay Eucharistic visitors can take the sacrament to people, say, in the hospital or otherwise in need who cannot make it to church. Mm. Um, that practice was new to a lot of people, particularly in the United States, who were Episcopalian. And so there were fights about whether or not to have the reserve sacrament in the church. And one of the compromises that you'll see in churches from built in the early late 1800s, early 1900s, um, even to the mid-1900s, is that the reserve sacrament is in a side chapel. Because yep. that way, if people could, who didn't like the idea of it, it was not in their face. When they were in Sunday worship, it was off to the side. And for those that, for whom it was important, they'd get a, literally see, sit where they could see it if it was a side chapel that was open to the main space or would go and say prayers there before or after church or at other occasions as well. So architect architecturally, there are a number of churches that had chapels built only for that reason. So often it would be called the uh, Chapel of the Sacrament or something like that. And then later, as that didn't become a big thing, it was renamed for a saint or something. Hmm. Um, but I remember a couple of the churches that I went to as a kid had those arrangements. And in the late 1970s, there was an emphasis in the liturgical movement that produced the new prayer book to have the sacrament wherever you were worshiping for your main service. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of churches took the sacrament from the side chapel and uh, put it somewhere near the main altar. And one church I was rector of, their compromise was to have both. <laughs> so on Sunday mornings, one of my jobs mm -hmm. as the rector was to move it from the chapel to the... Uh, tabernacle right behind the main altar. And then after church, move it back to the side chapel. We are, we are a funny creation. We are. <laughs> <laughs> the, we the, are bizarre. The idea to me that something like that would matter to God at all. Yeah. <laughs> like just, it makes me laugh. Uh, uh, I, before we move on, the, the, the other thing I did want to point out, in the definition on the website, uh, uh -huh. there's some strong, uh, strongly worded language about the disagreement between uh, Luther's theology and that of, uh, the, um, uh, of transubstanti uh, trans mm -hmm. transubstantiationists. Uh, because it, it does say that uh, 
Luther expressly condemned the doctrine of transubstantiation in the Babylonian during his Babylonian captivity, uh, and um, I'm I'm not entirely convinced that he it was a condemnation <laughs> of, yeah. the, of the idea. It seems as more it was just it was more a condemnation of the actions of the existing church against the idea that there was too heavy handed and uh, not done in a lot of their actions were not done in the spirit of Christ as it was, I think kind of his actual condemnation, but it's kind of interesting that that language still yeah. exists today in, in, in the Episcopal church's definition of it, that, that the, it, it seems as though uh, the, the uh, acknowledging that there's a, still a rift there uh, is, is alive and well. <laughs> well. Yeah. And it cycles through. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, back in the time of Luther is a big rift in the around the again around the late 1800s, early 1900s. There is a, a rift, not as big, and then again in the 70s about where are you supposed to keep this? Um, again, less of a rift, but people were very emotional about it every yeah. single time. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, uh, consubstantiation, transubstantiation, uh, um, real presence, real presence. Uh, and, and compromise and, between the two. An interesting discussion. Uh, so, hopefully, uh, hopefully, <laughs> it was for me. <laughs> Good. Well, let's move on uh, to our first reading. We're going to go with Isaiah. Uh, I, I shouldn't say uh, make it sound so flippant like we just chose. Uh, no, we, we have we have options this Sunday, uh, and uh, as, as has been the past number of weeks. We have chosen the non-Genesis Exodus uh, 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 option for the first reading, and they're kind of more going with the uh, the alternative option. Yeah. Um, and uh, this one is Isaiah 51, verse 1 through 6. Listen to me, you that pursue righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for he was but one when called yeah, did I read that right? Yeah, for he was but one when I called him, but I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion, he will comfort all their all her waste places, and will make her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the voice of song. Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation, for a teaching will go out from me and my justice for a light to the peoples. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out, and my arms will rule the peoples. The coastlands wait for me, and for my arm they hope. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and those who live on it will die like gnats. But my salvation will be forever, and my deliverance will never be ended. Um, very poetic, uh, yeah. Um, um, wording here, and I think it's it's worth um, pointing out that uh, this week's reading uh, is actually before last week's reading. Mm-hmm. So, if I'm not mistaken, last week we mentioned how we kind of made the crossover into the third writer of Isaiah, uh, or the third Isaiah. And if I'm not mistaken, we've taken a journey back across the dividing line again. We're close our... to it, but we have not crossed. Okay. Okay. So this is so 
So this is this is uh, so last week was still the second. Uh, no, Isaac? last week was third, and this is third as well. Oh, this is third as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, just quick recap: uh, uh, third Isaiah um, is talking about uh, now that you're all brought home here in in Israel, you've been taken out of captivity, you've been you've returned to the land that God promised you, uh, and we've been going at that for a while. And now um, I feel like we've started to slip and I want to write these words to kind of help steer us back or, or yeah. in certain cases redirect us in, in a new direction. Uh, that in, in some cases we've lost our way and in other cases we have gone back into like a familiar cycle and we're actually being called for something new. Um, so, yeah. So... Where where is uh, this one on that messaging scale? Are we are we are we are we trying to recenter or are we trying to shift focus? Both. <laughs> so good answer. <laughs> yeah, again, very Episcopalian. Both. The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the recenter certainly is found in verse one of "Listen to me, you that pursue righteousness." Mm-hmm. Um, and then the new purpose is in the latter verses within this piece of um, I will bring my deliveries. This is verse five. I will mm-hmm. bring my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out. My arms will rule the peoples, not mm-hmm. just Israel. The coastlands wait for me and for my arm they hope that this is part of the new mission for mm-hmm. Israel, that they're not just for themselves, but for the entire planet. So the, yeah, this has both the encouragement and the so what <laughs> of, okay, now you have this encouragement, what are you supposed to do with it? Right, 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 right. And uh, verse 6 is, I'm specifically struck by verse 6 just because the imagery that it, it creates for the reader um, um, definitely does kind of uh, sound as, a, as, as kind of a refocusing, like, look, you've been really focused on what's happening here, mm-hmm. here and now, what happened in the recent past and what's going to happen in the near future. But there's, you know, this, this kind of like takes, takes you back into a 30,000 foot view uh, kind of mindset. And I love the, the description um, of the earth will wear out like a garment. Um and uh, just just in that you know we're, we're you know eventually it's things are going to wear out and and uh, um, you can't be focused on these smaller things consistently at, at some point in time we're going to have to grow up and start thinking outside uh, what we're doing today or what was in most recent memory and start right planning you know moving for a, a, a much larger uh, uh, future. Well, and, and maybe a way to summarize that, to, and this is kind of current lingo, is they can move out of survival mode because they mm-hmm. have been freed. They have come back to their land. Presumably they're getting things going again, crops and commerce and all that. And this is the piece of encouragement of, okay, now, like you say, now it's time to look at the big picture again. You no longer right. just have to be worrying about what's happening right now you now have to look at your heavenly mission. Right, right. Uh, which would have, uh, or would have uh, potentially served as a, uh, um, 
possible I, I, would, I was about to say a source of comfort but i guess that's not quite the right term but like a, a source of strength and encouragement mm-hmm. <clears throat> for the trials yeah. and tribulations that the people of israel still would have to go through um right um they certainly were not done being displaced right um, and uh um I, I, I'm hopeful, and maybe this was uh, maybe this was the third writer of Isaiah's uh, hope as well. Uh, of maybe maybe this person saw the writing on a, the wall, as it were, uh, that uh, um, those kind of things are, are going to happen, and we can't get into the cycle of uh, of, of you're, now you're in captivity again, or you know the temple has been destroyed, or you've been overrun from this region, and. Uh, but God is still with you. And again, just like we said before, you know, <laughs> come back home and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, maybe this is uh, more of a, of a, these kind of things are going to happen. Let's not worry about them and prophesy on the return home. Let's start worrying about um, the bigger picture because war will inevitably still continue to come to the land and, 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 bad things are going to continue to still happen. There's that's yeah. And we've existed long enough to see that that's, that's a cycle that's going to continue. And the other thing to think about completely building on what you just said is that the known world is expanding greatly at this time. Mm-hmm. So the, um, you know, the Greek and Roman empires, Greek and then Roman empires uh, are going to compl- almost completely redefine what the world is to the people of Israel and all the people of the Mediterranean region, that it's suddenly not just the Mediterranean region. It's now Africa and Europe and Asia. Right. And so Isaiah, in many ways, is one of the one of the reasons it's still a key book for both Jews and Christians is that it's a modern piece of scriptural wisdom. Mm-hmm. It it knows that the world is much more than what you can travel by foot. That now there's technology of sailing ships and wheeled vehicles and things like that, um, horses and, and oxen and all that, so that people will are now traveling thousands of miles. Right. Whereas before, you know, the total mileage on a human being before he or she died would probably be in the hundreds of miles. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Isaiah is trying to expand the world view, the world theological view of Israel because the world is expanding. And therefore, the, the knowledge of God has the potential to expand. Hmm. See, and that, that's one of the reasons why types of Christianity have died out, mm-hmm. is that their worldview was so small that when suddenly humanity was able to do something unexpected, discover for themselves, discover in terms of their own sense of the world, North and South, what we now call North and South America, um, outer space, all sorts, the world is round, that pieces of Christianity and other religions, pieces of Christianity that relied, in a sense, on a small world vision, couldn't survive because they became truly irrelevant. And so this is part of God's reaching out to humanity to say, the world's more than you think. Existence is more than you think. 
as time to start meditating on that, praying on that, pondering that, so that you can draw closer to God and have a greater sense of what existence means. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing that we're all done uh, um, um, exploring and, and creating a bigger <laughs> world. Um, good thing that that's all done now. Yeah, it's all done. <laughs> we know everything Could, there is to know. Couldn't possibly, <laughs> couldn't, we couldn't possibly be wrong in that regard or, or find something new. Um, uh, and, and so that's why I think this particular passage is actually very helpful under COVID-19 lockdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be- uh, because it's it, I I certainly am checking the news more frequently during a day than I did six months ago to see what the latest coast um, case loads are and things like that. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those passages say, yeah, of course it's understandable you're doing that, but come on, also be aware of the big picture. Yeah, be aware of how God is moving and uh, that it ain't always going to be this way. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, real quick before we leave Isaiah, uh, verse three, he talks about, uh, he will, uh, the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. Any, any ideas to specifically, is, is, is that something that the reader at the time would have been like, oh, you're talking about this. Um, it's or, more to contrast with Eden. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the place where God was really, really, really pl- present and then the waste places would be a place where yeah i don't think god's there right nope Um, i wasn't sure if this was like shade at like the 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 weird uh uh, right sub town in whatever region like we all know (laughs) what i'm talking about right (laughs) (laughs) that city (laughs) what a bunch of goofballs well there's there's certain i bet i'm sure some people read into it (laughs) when my bad is whenever any human has read this, they've, they've pictured somewhere that was not where they lived. <laughs> oh, yeah, them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's funny. All right, well, let's, uh, let's leave Isaiah for now and move on and continue our uh, exploration of Romans. This week's uh, verse is Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and, the indiv- and individually we are members, of, members one of another. We have gifts that differ, differ according to the grace given to us, prophesy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Um, this sounds to me a, a lot like a, um, um, a either either a, a capital campaign or <laughs> a, 
<laughs> Unfortunately, that's how it's often been applied in modern Christianity. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe that's just uh, maybe that's just how I've experienced it. Um, but uh, but yeah, it it, it uh, there's there's a number of in fact, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I don't have uh, Bible verses memorized uh, quite as as well as some, um, but. Uh, there are, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a number of body, uh, one body kind of imagery written by Paul of, you know, yeah. the tongue saying to the, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, First Corinthians 12, also chapter 12, has yeah. a very similar piece. So that's, that's kind of easy to remember. Romans 12 and Corinthians 12. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so this is like a, this you can kind of start to see as far as like, core concepts from Paul, the person, mm-hmm. um, arguments that make the most sense to him. Um, so that, cause he uses them, uh, in, in maybe a couple of spots. And this is the, the concept of the body of Christ, uh, uh, being broken up into us, the little individual pieces, uh, and how we fit into, uh, the larger community when we work together. Uh, so you can kind of tell that this is this is this is probably one of the main ways that he relates, yeah, uh, to his position uh, uh, and and how he functions uh, as as an individual, where he doesn't necessarily even while in certain areas you kind of get the feeling that Paul is a little high and mighty, a little uh-huh. holier than thou. Uh, this is you can kind of point to this and go okay, but he still did recognize that um, I'm not the end all be all obviously in the body of Christ, um, and we all have our our gifts, and I'm just uh, very confident in my my area, and it, it's kind of it kind of be interesting to see where he where he views himself in this list of options, like right. All right, you know he's not one for prophesy prophecy, uh, so he, that might not be him. But you know, did he view himself as the teacher? I think uh, so. Did he view himself as uh, ministry a little bit? Maybe. I mean, he's ministering to a whole new group, but yeah, I think probably the teacher. I bet um, teacher and exhorter. Uh huh. And there's maybe a lot of leader, leader, but yeah. that he tended to to. Delegate very skillfully, quickly, and appropriately to people who were which, resident. Which a, good, which a good leader would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, but it's just kind of kind of interesting to maybe uh, uh, not look at, at this through um, the the lens of the people being talked to, and not view it uh, through the lens of what does this mean to me today. But also, you know, kind of peel back that layer of you know. You know what? What does this tell us about this author? Uh, right, and and how the author viewed the the world and his place in it. Um, but the language here um, does kind of mirror the uh, the concepts that we just read from Isaiah, right? Um, which is uh, don't conform to the world, which is that smaller worldview. Uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what the will, what is the will of God. Um, and, and kind of, you know, yeah, take a step back from yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he he kind of continues on. Don't think more highly of yourself than, than you ought to think. Yeah. Um, um, which uh, is interesting for Paul to say that. 
<laughs> well, the old, there's the old saying, at least among clergy, that often the sermon we give is the sermon God wants us to hear. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that is that is funny. That 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 would be uh, uh, incredibly interesting from from your viewpoint too. Yeah, the, of mm -hmm. how often have you written something where you're like, boy, this one. This one, I really should probably pay attention to some of, some <laughs> yeah. of the things that I just wrote. <laughs> for me, well, for and me I know, I, I seriously do know clergy who will write out a sermon and then say, okay, that's the one for me. Now, what's the one for the congregation? <laughs> <laughs> I would say that in prayer and see yeah. if they're different. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, just like uh, many of us, uh, or at least hopefully, Many of us uh, write out an email uh, yeah. <laughs> with a message and then go back and reread it and go, okay, all right, well, this is clearly what this was saying about me, and I don't need mm -hmm. to say that here. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't want to look that tiny. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. Uh, a good practice for, for clergy and, and laity alike. Um, anything... Any any background stories to this? Because this is obviously this is still Roman, so we're, he's talking to uh, a group of people that he is trying to, as you mentioned, as you pointed out, be be the teacher to, um, and bring them into the fold and tell them that this message is for them as well, and that they're important and 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 uh, and, and uh, uh, part of this one body. But uh, anything, anything that we might overlook as a result of just reading the words and putting it into modern context. Yeah, there's one thing that I find fascinating, which is in well, two things. First thing's not as not as fascinating. This <laughs> this begins the second half of the letter of Romans, so it, okay. it is sort of a summary of what he's been talking about and what his general theology is. So this is like the shift in the discussion. I appeal to you based on all these. Previous well, eleven chapters. No, it's yes. It's kind of like um, when the second episode of a miniseries starts, and there's the in, you know, remember this about the characters <laughs> previously uh, on Paul's yeah. letter to the Romans. <laughs> yeah, um, and and gets you wound up for what he's going to say next. Okay, um, so it's also a bit of a preview. So that's the less interesting part. The more interesting part, at least for me, is in verse one where. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Two things here, two words here to keep in mind is your bodies does not refer to our physical bodies. It, the Greek term here is for our entire being. Mm. And so this is not part of the your body is a temple and therefore don't profane it sort of theology. Instead, it's much more holistic. And unfortunately, it often gets interpreted or at least seen as much more of just a, okay, that means I got to brush my teeth twice a day. Right. So, so essentially, he's saying the, the, the whole summation that is you. Yeah. Uh, which, which I suppose would include, well, I guess I'm not entirely sure about Roman theology. Would, would that include the body or is the body uh, far more disposable in their viewpoint? You Depends know what I mean? how Greek they are. Okay. Yeah, okay. In Greek philosophy was they were pretty separate, and Roman theology pretty much just accepted Greek theology. But by this point, um, hundreds of years had passed, so it had started to evolve, be influenced by other um, religions and philosophies. So, individual by individual, 
there'd be quite a bit of variation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, one of the um, possibilities would be that the listeners would be part of the, the group that would say, our bodies don't matter, only matters what our spirits do, and therefore I can do whatever I want with my body to and do whatever I want to other people's bodies because that's not their real selves. Hmm. So there's a whole lot of ethical yeah. uh, <laughs> quicksand there that yeah. people exploited. Um, yeah, so it is important to remember that our body is part of God's creation, but it's also important in our day and age where sometimes we're overly body-centered to know that this refers to our entire being. Everything about ourselves. So is that the same Greek word that is used in verse 4 and 5 when he talks about, for as in one body we have many members? And No, that one actually is more about congregation. Okay. Gathering. Okay. And, but he's playing with it. So right. you know, he, he's, he's not wanting us to forget what was in verse 1, but he's now used a slightly different term to develop the argument. Hmm. Cool. But the other thing that in this verse that's interesting to me is that, verse 1, is which is your spiritual worship? I've heard this translated this way in, or in all sorts of different English Bible translations. And really the Greek word here, which is the language it was written in, is reasonable. Hmm. Instead of spiritual. Yeah. Huh. And... and and Paul would have been talking to an audience where reasonable and spiritual were very closely connected. But it'd be inter it, I think that'd be something fascinating to talk about um, among Christians of, you know, what, this is a different word. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to us? Um, and certainly in terms of worship. So like... Huh reasonable uh reasonable is almost almost like logical so that so he the yeah, argument being reasonable your, or rational yeah so so the baseline for you as a whole is along this thread um that that logically this is who um you <laughs> you as as in the person you uh not just your physical body but the, mm -hmm. this is what you are, this is what you're naturally called for, um, uh, and other but, things tear you away from but that also, baseline. But also what you make a rational choice to participate in. Okay, yeah. So that but, it's, 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 not just, uh, it's not just what uh, you're, you want to do, but, you, have, but you, you would make the logical choice to move in this direction. Yeah. And, okay. So less and, of a baseline. Okay. Yeah, and so part of and the good news in that is it makes it, makes it ex, accessible to everyone. It's no longer, because especially within Christianity and, and actually in various Roman um, religions, there was what we now call mystery cults, <clears throat> mm -hmm. where people who had special secret knowledge of God were the most holy. And so part of what Paul is saying here is, no, really, you can figure out all you need to figure out in order to be loved by God and to be loving in the name of God. Hmm. You don't need any esoteric knowledge. You don't need any bizarre secrets. And you don't need to have a certain emotional experience of God. You can just decide, yeah, 
I'm, I'm going to believe in the one true God and the job's done. And that makes sense too, especially considering how much a, a Roman, if, if Roman theology borrowed from Greek theology, Greek theology was all, it had a lot of reason in it. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't involved in such a way of like, for some of us on the upper echelon of our society, reason <laughs> is involved. And for everybody else, it's, it's not, it was, that was a pervasive yeah. uh, concept that everybody, you know, what, what makes humans human is their ability to reason um uh, uh so that was not a there was not a skill that only that select few had that was that was uh, available to to all very interesting see kids yeah. language is fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, important. and important exactly exactly uh uh I, I i can't tell you how many times uh uh what comes up in in everyday life is uh, the need to reason and understand what someone says and what they mean. Uh, so uh, sometimes, sometimes we've got to do that deep dive into the language and, and figure out uh, where they're coming from and uh, where someone is coming from and what a word has a, has a meaning for that person as opposed yeah. to what it means to you. So uh, let's move on to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed to this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So there's a lot going on. Here. Yeah. Um, first, uh, I'll do it more chronologically this time instead of backwards. Uh, first, I like the the, <laughs> the again. Uh, it might you can see the influences in my life. Uh, uh, like verse fourteen, I'm imagining all the members of the Monty Python troupe uh, <laughs> piping up to Jesus uh, as he asks this question: Who do people say? Are? Some say John the Baptist, and like another person, uh, you know, back and forth. Uh, <laughs> Elijah, <laughs> Jeremiah. Is it, is it Jeremiah? Is that the answer? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, man, I love I, I, I love my upbringing. Um, <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, and here's and and then the turn in verse fifteen. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. Now, here's my real question. Who do you say that? I yeah. Am? So wait, wait, what? And I'm imagining like a long pause. <laughs> um, but again, here's another story um, uh, about Simon Peter, um, dude, getting it right. You yeah. Know? Uh, jumping in with both feet. It's easy for all you know all the uh, the disciples to throw out answers to the first question, um, but uh, the way at least the way the story is is framed. It just Simon Peter speaks up. Um, yep. 
uh, it, there's no indication of like all, all the disciples nodding in agreement or, you know, I meant like to that. say that <laughs> he stole my answer. Yeah. <laughs> he copied. <laughs> That's what I just said. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, it's just Simon Peter, uh, uh, giving out this answer. Um, and, um, we, we just spoke in the previous, uh, uh, uh reading about reason and, um, uh, this is this is kind of like uh, uh, Jesus said, like, yeah, that's right. And it's not because I'm wearing a sign or a jersey with Messiah on the back of it. Uh, this has been revealed to you uh, um, almost with that, you know, uh, through that act of spiritual worship uh, that is kind of yeah. referenced in Romans uh, um, uh, through my Father in heaven. This is because of... Um, uh, because you, in a way you could almost tie it back to that verse one of, of Romans chapter 12, because you presented your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, uh, as your spiritual worship is, is called you to do, you have come to know that this is true. Um, and then he gets kind of this, uh, individual, um, uh, commencement speech, uh, <laughs> Uh, um, uh, that, uh, you know, Hey, you know, blessed are you, you're going to be the, uh, the rock that the, 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 essentially the cornerstone of the church. Yeah. Uh, although, uh, you know, this is, this, uh, translation uses the word rock. Uh, but I would imagine that in, it would have very similar, uh, meanings as to the cornerstone probably would have avoided the exact same right word, uh, for fear of, of, um, uh, well, giving else, the image of Peter supplanting Jesus in some right because elsewhere Jesus takes that claim of being right. the cornerstone. Yeah, um, uh, but similar, you know, basically the same con. Yeah, so it was a very similar concept, a, a yeah. strong foundation. Um, yeah, uh, and um, but what what is interesting here, and a lot, and I know a lot has been made of the language here in verse nineteen. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose, loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Um, and basically, uh, uh, I've, I've, I know that um, in ages past, maybe not so much now, although I'm sure there's still examples, this is kind of used to, this language is kind of used to um, justify what the church does. Um, right, the many actions, both good and bad, <laughs> as being God breathed or God willed, um, because hey, no, we were told we're you know this church is built on Peter the Rock, and uh, whatever it, he was told, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and so therefore this is divine authority for insert. You know, <laughs> right, insert favorite, issue topic favorite power abuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right here, um, so. I, I'm assuming I, I'd, I'd like to assume that 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 uh, mindset and translation is wrong uh, because it, it feels incorrect at its core. Um, what is this verse uh, actually saying? No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, that um, was as definitive as I'd hoped. <laughs> yeah, and it's okay. When I first, I think I first seriously looked at this verse when I was a teenager, probably in a youth group Bible study sort of thing. Mm -hmm. 
And I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, you get all this authority and power. Mm-hmm. And then when I was getting closer to being ordained a priest, I was like, holy cow. <laughs> I have to have a lot of humility about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, I think it de- depends on which way you approach this verse. Where I, I not, and I do fall on the side of Jesus is saying, be really careful with how hmm. you use authority because it matters. Hmm. Yeah. And you know, you, you think you're just doing something because you as an individual deserve it, but you're speaking for God. Yeah. Whether, whether you're a lay person or a ordained person, whether you're someone who sits in the back seat of the church or is on the board on the vestry, you have, an authority as a Christian that you have to be very humble about and have a great deal of care and humility about. Um, and it's it's not like he said, okay, now go out and take over the world. Right. That's um, true. Yeah. So instead, it's a, your life really matters. And, and remember, he's telling this to people who are on some of the lowest rungs in society. So it's not like they were saying, well, yeah, I got a good college degree. I deserve this. Um, Instead, it's a, wait, what (laughs) type of moment? Well, yes, but also, you know, maybe this is a dangerous thing to say to a group of people who uh, previously just questioned which of them are going to be the most powerful in the new church. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... And e, it, e, don't tell them that. <laughs> you, you already you already had to smack down their ego a little bit before. Like don't 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 go tell them that he's gonna you know withstand the 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 gates of Hades. Uh, yeah, I which mean, also that, uh, I'll uh, I'll ask uh, uh, that later. Uh, yeah, sorry, you were gonna say. Yeah, and and the reality is we can't simply say, oh, I I don't want that authority, so I don't have it. Mm-hmm. Instead, we have, we have to take seriously that I'm a baptized Christian, and therefore I have authority like this, and I have to live accordingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's one of the things that I find interesting as a priest, you know, and I'm giving away some trade secrets here, is how some clergy can pretend their times when they're not ordained. That you know, this is I'm on vacation, so I can go do whatever I want and mm-hmm. um, be mean to people and speed on the highway <laughs> and get drunk. And, you know, I'm the only human. This is my time to really cut loose. And no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> not true. Um, and, and obviously any human will have that feeling at times of, you know, mm-hmm. I deserve a break today sort of thing. Um, and so I really think this passage is a huge warning to every Christian that when you say you're a Christian, you suddenly, perhaps unexpectedly, though Jesus warns you, um, have a great deal of authority in the eyes of the world, mm-hmm. whether you want it or not. And, I mean, we see this all the time of people judging all of Christianity by the actions of one or two people. And so, you know, Jesus was completely pro- prophesizing that. Mm. And they thought 
you know, a lot of times they'll, what I'll read about these folks, or sometimes, unfortunately, I've been in conversation with uh, clergy who have misbehaved. It's like, well, you know, I didn't think it was going to matter. I didn't think anyone was going to find out. Um, and then the rationalizations start. And no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what, wherever you are, whatever you do, you're a Christian. And you got to take that seriously and live your life every moment as if you're affecting what's happening in heaven because you are. Hmm. And that's kind of scary stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially since we're supposed to see ourselves through the lens of Simon Peter, or we find ourselves yeah. doing things through the lens of Simon Peter. So this is basically to us as uh, just as much as it was to him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not um, just for Peter. It's not just for the apostles. It's for all Christians. Now, I, I have to still ask, uh, because we've talked about it on the podcast before, the concepts of heaven and hell not necessarily being fleshed out right. uh, concepts when this was written, but it's very prevalent in you know this reading here, a reference to the gate of Hades, a reference to the kingdom of heaven. But it's Hades. Yeah, which is... So which, like, that's the Roman... Yeah, so Roman? it's... Yeah. It, the term here really is place of the dead. Okay. It's not the place of punishment. So it's another way of Jesus saying, I am new life. Mm -hmm. And the kingdom of God is new life and eternal life. And therefore is a, is a marvelous gift and nothing's ever going to kill the church. And it's really church with a little C. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the institution. It's gathering of Christians. Uh, Christians will always gather and no matter what, um, they will not be overcome. That certainly various um, earthly powers have tried to wipe out Christians at various times. Mm -hmm. in, in various places, it still happens. But nope, ain't going to work. Death's not going to be enough. To Human death is not going to be enough to kill off what God wants to have happen in, with Christians gathering. What about the term heaven in this passage? What, what, what word is being used? Do we know? I'm not sure exactly which one it is, but it, it, it's one of those poetic phrases, my father who is in heaven, um, to make clear that we're really talking top dog here. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, that, you know, we're, it's not just your buddy Jesus that we're talking about. We're talking about, again, it's the 30,000 foot view right. is the phrase you used earlier. Mm -hmm. okay. um, it's that... You, know, so, you really, he's telling the, the apostles here, you really are in touch with ultimate reality, to use a theological term. You're in touch with everything that you could possibly want to know. Mm -hmm. And again, so that, that ties into the rest of this passage about you have this gift, you have to be responsible with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Again, with that 30,000 foot view, He's saying there in verse 19, what you do matters. It'll yeah. have repercussions and echoes through, you know, through time and, and, and space. Uh, so I, I, I see where you, you would come down on the, uh, uh, this is a warning, uh, yeah. kind of a, or, or an encouragement to be very thoughtful and careful. Um, um, yeah, think, and I, I totally and, understand that, that it's been abused as being seen as a commission. Right. But yeah, I think it's more of a warning. Yeah. 
so so to borrow the 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 uh, some of the phrasing from uh, from the Romans uh, reading, think, but think yeah. with sober judgment. <laughs> yeah, know? it ties uh, in very nicely, even very though it's nicely. pretty accidental. But because because both of both Matthew and Romans were just going through in order, mm-hmm. so um, so when I say it's accidental, really it shows how consistent the theology is in um, early Christianity about every Christian is being held accountable. And yeah. every Christian has a responsibility. Yep. And then, of course, uh, the the very interesting end to the story of like, then he just tells him like, by the way, don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which which he does in a number of uh, uh, little gospel stories. Oh know, yeah. Um, and I conducted this great miracle. Don't tell anybody. Or you know, hey, I've given yeah. you this staggering piece of information. By the way, don't don't uh, don't say anything. Keep it keep it under your hat. Yeah. And part of that is. Well, part of it is that nothing makes sense until the resurrection of Jesus. But part of it also is to show that this isn't a commissioning of the apostles. They're not sent out with um, this authority. Yeah, there's no go forth language yeah. uh, at this point. Yeah, it's instead, you know, let this really get deep in your bones uh, yeah. so that you become a better person and therefore a better follower of God. Hmm. Yep. Very good. Well, with that, uh, I think we'll call to wraps uh, the pod, this your podcast for August twenty third, twenty twenty, proper sixteen, the twelfth Sunday after Pentecost, first Woo-hoo. of its name. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it should really be a super long, uh, <laughs> long title. Um, yeah, you're getting more and more high church, you know. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> Uh, so we want to really thank you for joining us uh, today. Uh, feel free to check out uh, the other podcasts that we've had uh, in the past, especially as you mentioned, Bruce. We're going kind of along in order here with Romans mm-hmm. and Matthew. Uh, if you missed a couple of weeks, go back and uh, check the past couple of weeks and see uh, see how we got to this. Uh, see see what the previous stories were that that uh, that lead to these uh, uh, stories or the the previous uh, concepts that Paul. Uh, wrote to the to the uh, to the Romans to to see how he's forming his argument. And um, hey, you can always fast forward through the boring parts. We won't know. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, we don't. We won't. We won't. You won't hurt our feelings. Right. Um, uh, also, uh, check out our website hfec.org. Lots of links to things going on, especially during here uh, in uh, here during quarantine. And our YouTube channel is hfec videos, where you can see our online worship services. Uh, uh, for this past week and uh, a new one will be coming out here Saturday at 4 so look for that and uh, if you have any questions or concerns or or comments or uh, anything you would like to bring to our attention uh, feel free to email us at shortcut at hfec.org with that laundry list of I will add one thing to the laundry list okay as we're beginning slowly uh, the fall education season, there are a number of new grown-up book groups forming oh, yeah. at Holy Family that you can read about on the website. And each one's sort of taking a different approach and has uh, different kinds of books they're reading. So you might find one that's interesting. All of them are open to new people. And they're yeah. done done online. Nothing in F- person yet. Fantastic invitation. Uh, so, yeah, with that, uh, let's end. And uh, I've been Ben. And I have been Bruce, and I will continue to be. (laughs) And we'll talk to you next time. (laughs) Bye-bye.